This is a Radio 191 FM podcast. Um, I'm on Zoom with Cassandra Mudgeway. How are you, Cassandra? Kia ora. Um, great, thanks. Thanks for having me. No worries. So you published a very interesting article in The Conversation recently about the campaign trail threats to our female politicians in New Zealand and how this seems to have been ramping up in New Zealand for this election cycle we've seen especially members of Labour Party and Te Pāti Māori have been either physically abused or had their homes vandalised. And mm-hmm. I suppose the first question to start off with is, is this something new or is this part of a long-going trend that has been happening for a few years now? Yeah. Um, so that's a really great question to start out with because what we're seeing now is in a particular context, right? So if we zoom right out, gender-based violence against women in New Zealand is um, a predominant thing. Mm-hmm. So one in four women in New Zealand will experience some kind of gender-based violence in their lifetime. That is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's always been a problem with online abuse against women. Uh, especially since the introduction of social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, now X, and Instagram. So since the mid-2000s, um, NetSafe, that's New Zealand's online safety watchdog or mm-hmm. organisation, they receive reports of online abuse and uh, they publish every year a set of statistics, what they're seeing from their end, and figures published by them indicate there's a 25% uh, more incidences of online harm reported every year since about 2020. So we're seeing Mm -hmm. a constant upward trend. Um, So that's the beginning of the pandemic, of course. So people are more likely to personally experience or know someone who has experienced online abuse than they did in previous years. Mm -hmm. Rates of online abuse are higher among certain groups. So that includes women, but it also includes Māori and other ethnic minorities, Mm -hmm. LGBTQIA plus people. So online harm, which when I talk about that, just to be clear, I'm talking about stuff like cyberbullying, mm-hmm. which includes sexist um, name calling, harassment, revenge porn, threats of violence, such as rape or death. So that's really what I'm looking at when I talk about online abuse. Um, and when it comes to women politicians, um, you know, they have greater access to the public now through social media. That's actually Mm -hmm. been really positive because it equalizes the communications playing field. So with traditional media, once upon a time, it was overwhelmingly dominated by men and male voices, Mm -hmm. whereas social media, if you have a device, if you have access to the internet, you have access to social media. And so it's an equalizer. Women can have access there and share their views, their policies. But of course, having greater access to the public means they have greater access to the public has greater access to them Mm -hmm. right and so that increases their risk of online abuse and harassment and international research has been pretty consistent on this point more public a woman is online the more abuse that she will receive and women politicians are one of the particular groups Mm -hmm. that receive more online abuse than others others include like women journalists and women activists Mm -hmm. so women who are public and um, yeah, um, I just wanted to maybe segue this into this rise of physical abuse on the election mm-hmm. trail. Are you at all liable to maybe discuss the links between online abuse leading to physical abuse and maybe this rise of online abuse has maybe perhaps led to um, physical abuse now? 
Yeah, so that is the 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 real fear, the real concern. So this concern initially comes from research done um, internationally around online violence against women journalists. Mm-hmm. And as I said, that's one of the bigger groups of public women who receive online abuse. And much like um, women politicians, there's been an upward trend in online abuse since 2020. So alongside this is this real fear that um, this will lead to offline violence as a result of that online abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, the direct link being threats of violence that you receive um, and and that manifesting in real life. And we actually have seen this fear manifest in New Zealand. Um, so we've had Green MPs, particularly um, Gores Garaman, mm-hmm. uh, have security escorts. She carries security alarms with her because the amount of harassment that she gets, um, particularly threats to her life. So women have not only changed the, you know, not only changed the way they use social media when they get this huge amounts of abuse. It, there's a chilling effect, right? They mm-hmm. don't use it the same way as men do. They get someone else to look at it. They won't post their policies as often. They won't interact as often. Um, but they also change the way they move in the real world as mm-hmm. well. Um, so we've seen this an extreme example of online abuse turning into real life violence in the case of UK MP Joe Cox mm-hmm. in 2016, uh, where she was murdered following increased threats made to her online. So this is the concern. And the more we accept, I think, as a society that MPs or candidates should somehow uh, accept the mass abuse they received as kind of part of their job. Well, you were putting your public face out there. You should be uh, putting up with this. And mm-hmm. we know that our women MPs believe this, that this is something they just have to push through. And the more normalized that is um, online, the greater risk that it spills out into the offline violence against them. And has New Zealand put into place maybe any laws to stop this abuse at the online um, part of it all? Is New Zealand, is it maybe making headway of some laws or is it falling behind compared to maybe other countries? Um, I would say it's falling behind. There's certainly a lot of uh, law reform happening in Australia and the UK at mm-hmm. the moment around um, how do we curb this online abuse trend. In New Zealand, our current framework is from 2015. It's called the mm-hmm. Harmful Digital Communications Act. And that was designed to address harmful online communications and uh, with an emphasis on cyberbullying. So during 2015, there was a a big uptick in cyberbullying concerns among children and harassment and threats among adults. Uh, So it established illegal mechanisms um, for reporting and prosecuting Mm -hmm. um, harmful digital content. Um, And it just hasn't failed to deter any people from engaging in mm-hmm. online abuse. Uh, so, and there's a number of reasons for that, why it isn't as effective as it probably was going to be. So one, proving a criminal offence under the Act is really difficult. Um, you have to prove that the online mm-hmm. communication will uh, cause serious emotional distress. So that's quite a high threshold mm-hmm. in and of itself. But not only to the victim, but that it would have caused serious emotional distress to an objective, reasonable person. An objective, reasonable person is not a woman MP who receives massive amounts of Mm -hmm. online gender abuse. It's more difficult to take that kind of context into consideration when when you're the judge trying to assess whether a reasonable person would be seriously emotionally distressed by it. 
There are a list of factors in the Act the judge can use to maybe assess this, um, but the context of gender-based violence is, is not one of them. Um, so that's the issue with the criminal regime. Mm-hmm. And yeah. is, is there any, I suppose, methods that the New Zealand government can maybe use or any legislation they can perhaps go towards that would fix this? Like you mentioned how maybe specifying gender-based ones or maybe redefining some of the context of the legislation? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the problem does go beyond reforming the law, but Mm -hmm. there are ways the law can be reviewed to at least make it easier, for example, to prove a criminal offence. So the Act has a set of 10 communication principles that's meant to be guided by. These include things like Digital communication should not be threatening, intimidating, or menacing. It shouldn't be used to harass any individual. But the last one, number 10, says that a digital communication should not denigrate an individual by reason of their gender, among other things, but includes mm-hmm. gender. So these prin- principles are in reference to what is known as the civil regime. So in the Act, it has a criminal regime, which is very small, and it has a really large civil regime. That's where you can go as an individual. You've received some harm online. You can go to the court. You have to pay for this. But you go to the court and you want an court order to get that removed from whatever site it's on, say Facebook. Um, the civil regime is not widely used. And it's because one cost factor, but also because it doesn't actually stop the abuse in the future basically just happens there. And those principles are in relation to the civil regime. And it's it's really not clear that it applies to the criminal regime. And just making that much more clearer to allow the judge to assess um, the harm in its context would be, um, I think, a real benefit to people Mm -hmm. um, like women in peace. And I suppose as a final question and summary, going forward... Um, regardless of which government makes it through, do you think that more education is needed? You mentioned in your article more public education is needed for both online and offline abuse. Um, Do you think this is desperately needed now to maybe stop it before it gets even more out of hand? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's because of that risk, right? If it continues, you won't hear from women in Mm -hmm. fears as much as you do men. That threatens gender equality, representative democracy. It's really serious. So, um, I, I said increased education, and what I really mean is greater awareness raising mm-hmm. that online abuse is unacceptable at all levels of society, not just children. A lot of our stuff around is, is around cyberbullying, which is around children. Once you hit 18, I guess you're meant to just you know put up with this. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's the, the approach that the government should be taking. Um, and that gender-based online abuse should be considered gender-based violence. It, it is mm-hmm. that serious. Um, and and I think that that's really where they should be going as, as a number one, is that awareness raising. This is serious. This is um, violence, and it should be treated just like any other level of violence. Thanks for listening to a Radio 191 FM podcast. There are heaps more at r1.co.nz.